Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Kimbolt Bori, multidisciplined UI UX designer and 3D modeler with over 23 years of professional experience designing everything from games to websites. Her current Kickstarter for 3D printable dice towers and more is already way past its funding goal. Still has 19 days to go. Kim? Welcome to the binge. How you doing? Good. Thanks, James. <laughs> hey, it, you know, when Mike set up this interview, so Mike, our producer, um, I was like, Dice Towers, let's do it. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm in, man. This is, uh, this is exciting. So I want to kind of take, because, um, you know, getting to where you are now, where you're making Dice Towers, that's not something you just jump into. Like this oh, no. started kind of, this been this kind of weaving path to get there. Yeah. Let's start off with, you worked for EA Games? I did, yeah. In fact, I met my husband there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so and so, what did you do there? So you did the UI and, and yeah. UX. Can you explain yeah. what that is to people? Like, what is UI? What is UX? Sure, yeah. So uh, I, I was hired on at EA Games uh, to work on a game called Tetris Blitz. Yep. Uh, it, it, I love Tetris. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> Um, but my re- my responsibilities were to uh, create all the interface, so everything that you interact with, uh, uh, how you get into the game mode, how you play it, and what happens when you finish. So um, I pretty much designed the flow and the visuals uh, in in the game, and then you test it and find that it was a terrible design, <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to go back and make things a whole lot more obvious, uh, and then keep testing and, and redesigning until you feel like you have a solid product that most people can interact with. And is this mainly like um, mobile devices? Is this like on phones and things like that? Or is it so like game consoles U- or what UI kind of- UX? So in the games industry, it's more UI UX. Outside of that, they call it more UX, user experience, okay. uh, which is more focused on the user experience and then the visual design comes later. So the UI part of the, the, the design side is the visuals, it's the buttons, it's the, mm. in the case of Tetris, it's the tetraminos, the little squares. Yeah. Um, it's the skin as well as the interactivity. But in the web, it's typically more the usability and then the visual design comes later. So in terms of the actual program, so then would that design then go over to a programmer who then program the functionality of it? Yes. Or, uh-huh. okay, so then you you create the buttons, you create the whole yeah. kind of user interface send over the programmer and does the programmer look at it sometimes and just say, um, yeah, I don't know how to work with these. We we work directly with them throughout the whole process to make sure everything we do is, is codable (laughs) and we'll come up with prototypes and we'll test those throughout the whole process. And then they'll tie in the back end and make sure it's, it's a solid piece of software. Uh, and then how did you get into like, um, I mean, some of the other things you've, you've got here, like a Magic the Gathering is on yeah. your, your CV, right? Like yeah. Fortnite, like yeah. talk to us about that. That's, those are some big, big names, right? Like it, Getting into the games industry is really hard because everyone wants to work on a game. Yeah. Uh, I, I was fortunate enough to, to be hired by EA. Uh, after I met my husband and then we had our first kid, um, I actually started doing contract work full time from home, so I could be close to where uh, his daycare is. Got it. So um, f- 
from there, I've had a number of really fantastic clients that I either work directly with uh, Epic or uh, you know other large clients, either directly with the client or they were a client of my client <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, so it, once you get a game under your belt, then you have a little more, uh, it's a lot easier to continue working for other game industries or other game companies because they know you have industry experience. So it becomes almost like a network. Once you're finally yes. you know, oh, yeah. on the inside, then it's like, okay, it's like, you know, hockey teams, right? Okay, yeah. there's a good player over there. Let's see if we can get them over on our team to help us it, out. Exactly. And, and most X, of my, Z and- yeah, and most of my clients are people I've worked with or people that is a network of someone I've worked with. Yeah. Got it. And then how did, like, did did you take this in school or like, how did you get into this in the first place? So like what? So, so personal story, I had severe ADD as a kid. Okay. So, (laughs) and we moved around the the United States. I lived in upstate New York, California, New York, Tennessee. Uh, So by the time I graduated from high school, um, I already had a passion for computer games and art and design, and I had a pretty good portfolio. So I just went directly right into working full time. Uh, and back then, I mean, it was <laughs> it was right as the internet was starting to become a thing, and everybody wanted to have a product on on the online. So that was really where I got my start. Was like I'm talking like AOL. I'm talking like wow. the very beginnings of the internet. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> and did so if you're kind of learning as you go, was there a lot of like failure that uh, oh, yeah. led to oh. kind of the learnings and so forth? And oh yeah. Uh, I was uh my very first job uh was for a big ad agency. Intel was their main client. I deleted a whole directory of work because <laughs> I thought you use the back button <laughs> to go back a folder. So for sure there was a lot of stumblings and a lot of uh I, I would say I graduated from the school of hard knocks, <laughs> uh, but no one, no one magically just walks in and, and gets it right. And for sure, it's it's taken a lot, a lot of heartache and a lot of wrong turns to be where I'm at today. And then how did that kind of lead into like, like we've talked to other people who've worked in the video game industry, right? Yeah. And then for them, the kind of the transition to the board game industry was almost like a, a relief from the computers, right? Saying, so, you know, okay, I oh, still yeah. want to kind of tap the creative side, but I want to kind of, I've been on computers all day. I want to get away from that and get start doing things with my hands more tactile. What was it yeah. for you that brought you over to the board game side? Well, and it's funny. I actually started out in print media. Okay. Uh, very, very first job was as designing catalogs, essentially. So oh, cool. um, after after EA, I, I did it. I had a number of projects that were tabletop game related. Uh, one was for Canada was a, a global <laughs> global warming uh, game where okay. you, you're trying to save the planet. <laughs> uh, and uh, just a number of smaller projects for various clients who had a game that they needed a, an artist for. Wow. Yeah, and then um, I started getting into 3D printing uh, in 2015. Uh, it was just a hobby thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I got this crappy little printer that barely worked. And then um, I bought another one and bought another one and just learned the whole process and learned that it sucked in some places. And then it was super cool when it actually printed something. <laughs> and what did you start off your 3D printing with? So when you're doing the 3D printing, was it 
just kind of anything you could you could create just to kind of experiment yeah. with this new technology or yeah so i started with a bunch of free stuff from thingiverse that's okay. a really good like a great place to start you know yep. you can see what's popular and what people had a lot of luck printing and then you could give it a try from there um i actually my main reason of why i got into 3d printing was to start uh, 3d modeling i've always wanted a 3d model but in my career there was never a, a a great smart place to have that skill set, at least in my career. Path. Yeah. Uh, so I, I bought ZBrush or ZBrush and started learning on my own on the side and started modeling stuff and 3D printing it and then slowly started getting my name out there. Because uh, they were, these were just practice files, really. Yeah. Uh, but I released a file called uh, Fancy Skull. And for some reason, it really caught on and it started to get my name out there, which was pretty cool. And you just sent it out for free or was it something yeah. that you were selling or? No, it was for free. Yeah. So free is a good way to get your name out there. <laughs> you don't get any money, but you do get, uh, you kind of get your foot in the door. And sure. get recognition and things like that, right? Yeah. So how long has like Fate's End been in, in play? Like, so how long is the company in its kind of current structure as Fate's End uh, so I last January, I had a, a, an entire month and a half of no client work. I had a okay. project that was promised. It didn't come through. And we do not live in a way that we cannot have money coming in. So sure. I was freaking out. <laughs> so I, I, I love 3D printing and modeling. And I did a lot of research and I was working on someone else's Kickstarter campaign and told him of my situation and he was like you should really do your own campaign and uh so i came up with fate send you know i i thought you know no one's really doing anything with uh dice towers so i it's a fun thing to play with you know uh architecture for various you know our uh rpg classes that's awesome so yeah. um you know my husband and i would walk around the lake with our kids and talk about uh Thing, ways we can skin it. And I was like, it kind of makes sense that it's fate's end because it rolls through and it's, that is fate's call. Oh, I once, gotcha. Yeah, once yeah, it's yeah. rolled through. So uh, it was really February of last year that I was like, I have to do something with this. And I spent a month on it. My, I, my husband thought I was crazy, but he was supportive. <laughs> so it, it's been it just slightly over a year. So were you playing Dungeons and Dragons or RPG yeah. before that? So you were yeah. already like a D&D player and it's yeah. heavy. So yeah. dice towers for people that don't know what dice towers are. They're essentially a structure you put on the table that mm -hmm. you can plop a die into the top, clunk, clunk, clunk all the way through. And then it yep. spits a dice at the bottom and takes away kind of the human inner interface yep. of rolling a die, right? So it's yeah. completely random. There's no way you can manipulate that die. Exactly. It comes through the way it does. And in towers, you're starting to see more and more, I guess, um, different architectural spins mm -hmm. on that, right? On oh yeah, skinning it in a way that it thematically fits with um, either a the Dungeons and Dragons uh, map and themes you're working on, or you're even seeing now dice towers go into regular gameplay, right? Where people yeah. have games that require dice, something kind of neat as a showpiece to have on the table, and they can put the die through and it rolls and, and you have a way of kind of a fun way of rolling the dice and, and, and playing. Exactly. So but when you, I was so, going to, I was going to yeah, slide yeah. in dice towers are not a new thing. They've been around for thousands of years. 
<laughs> Thousands the, of years. The Romans actually had dice towers. In fact, they found one. Uh, I'll have to get more information, but they've been around for thousands of years. Oh, send me a link to that. I'll, I'll post. I'll post that on the page for sure. I yeah. love seeing any kind of archaeology when they when they come up with like a, like a game, right? Like the, the famous yeah. ones, Tutankhamun's tomb. There's, I think, uh, three or four Senate boards in there. There's, you know, anytime you can see um, the games have been part of human history since the beginning of time. Yeah. So uh, cool. and the, it is cool. It's not just a, yeah. but I didn't know that. I didn't know that uh, dice towers were that old. I just assumed oh, yeah. it was something that happened with D and D playing, but <laughs> man, that is cool. So, so you were doing uh D and D RPG to you. It made sense. Hey, want to create kind of this custom dice tower. Yeah. How did that then? And then you're in a situation where client work is, is tapered off. We need to bring some income in. So fate Send essentially was launched with your first Kickstarter campaign that yeah. Justin, was it? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And that, and that first campaign was successful, right? Like, it, I think you raised something like, I'll put this in Canadian dollars. Cause it always sounds, yeah. sounds way bigger. Uh, $121,000, 2,706 backers you had on that first campaign. Yeah, That is huge. Crazy, right? My first campaign. Yeah. yeah. I thought we were going to maybe, maybe make 40 at the most. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it definitely launched a new career path that I hadn't really considered before, which is super cool. Yeah. What blows me away about that is that it is all digital assets. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like you're not, you're not selling any physical thing, right? You're, you're, and not to downplay the importance of, you know, all the the work and effort that goes into creating, you know, a digital sculpture that, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, you know, give that any disservice at all. But there's no physical thing that your so your time is basically your money in, right? Exactly. And um, yeah. it, but there's there's no actual investment to actually go and 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 build stuff other than that time. Yep. That is incredible. Like, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like anybody wants to run the profit margins on something when you're not actually selling a physical thing, you're selling something yeah. digital. That there's no shipping costs or angry yeah. people about shipping costs. <laughs> did it surprise you the number of people that said yeah like i i want i i you know i i probably have a dice tower but i want i want kim's dice tower yeah oh no it, it's been remarkable we had a couple hundred backers who don't even own a 3d printer who joined the campaign and went out and bought a 3d printer just so they could print these that is crazy right that's so crazy like it's something I think that more people are, 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 are talking about, right? 3d print. Like I don't even have a 3d printer. It's on my list. Right. So it's on my list it's, of things I'm going to get higher to. on your list. It, it will be. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's time though. Right. It takes time yeah. to actually manipulate the files and print yeah. and so forth. But oh yeah, 100% as a, as a game uh, designer, it is something that will be part of our toolkit in the, in the very near future. Yeah. Um, and I look at different ones and so forth. And then it's always like, well, do I want do you go for that one? Or do you spend more and go for the bigger one? Cause bigger, you know, it's know. more expensive must be better. It's gotta be tough to make these kind of uh, choices, but yeah. for people that are watching, I want to share my screen. And, um, for anybody listening, I encourage you to go to fatesend.net and, uh, and check out, uh, Kim's page. It is, it is uh, it is just beautiful beautiful works of art so like i i don't okay. even look at these like dice towers like i really look at these uh, as art right uh, as show pieces um is like do you work with artists or or is yeah. some of this art design yours or how does that kind of come together so i have a great concept artist named matthew s armstrong i actually worked with him 
at one of the gaming companies that I worked for. And uh, he was he was a big deal with uh, Disney Infinity. Okay. Um, it's yeah. just such a nice guy too. Uh, so when I started this project, I approached him because I 3D, I don't 2D art well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he was super excited about it. He's into D&D and tabletop gaming. And um, essentially I would, would bring him what I wanted it to be uh, with some um, reference photos or art or whatever. And he would sketch out these amazing concepts. And every time he, he totally nailed it as far as what I had in my head. Um, and he's been great to collaborate with for sure. With some of these images, like I know some of them were, um, I was surprised because you and I just before got on air, I was talking about one of your designs, which I, I thought was amazing. Um, and it was a render uh, that, yeah. that I guess is that I, the version I had seen was actually a render. It wasn't actually yeah. a physical thing, but in some cases, like I see some of these pictures where they're, they're kind of luminescent, right? So yeah. is, is there certain plastics you can get to create that effect or are most yeah. of these painted or how does that work? Uh, so this group you're looking at right here. Um, so it's the, for those of you who are listening, when you go to the website, it's the, the second group that says photos, yeah. I think photos. Yeah. Uh, at, so these photos here, so the, the one in the middle, here, it's a blue kind of one with a spire. These mm -hmm. are printed with silk filaments. And mm -hmm. uh, when you print them extra hot at uh, uh, kind of small layer heights, uh, they are just gorgeous. They, they reflect the light. Oh man, they're fun to photograph too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, that's what I love about 3D printing is it's, you have a world of materials to play with colors and tech you know and i mean some of these really show the texture super well and um it's fun like not you don't even have to paint them for them to look like art but the painted ones are so super cool yeah you can kind of take the next level and there's rainbow uh, rainbow ink as well. yeah mm -hmm. which is just yeah. it's just crazy so you don't just do dice towers you also do um a gm or game master screens and yeah. uh, dice jails i didn't even know what a dice jail was <laughs> neither did i sorry guys i know <laughs> I, I do a group called board game binge <laughs> dice jail i don't know but so uh talk to us about what a dice jail is so uh when i had my previous campaign people kept asking for it i had no idea what it is yeah. but essentially <laughs> It's a way for you to uh, torture your bad dice. So if you have a die, like a D20 that keeps rolling one or two, you you can put it in timeout. <laughs> Which I love the concept of. So we've got an Iron Maiden, we've got a That's gelatinous awesome. cube, and there's a legit timeout chair with a dunce cap. <laughs> so if you want to punish your dice. Yep. For not rolling nice, you can uh, you can create a a dice jail or a dice vault. That is yep. awesome. Now, part of your process is you uh, you like when I've watched some of your materials and so forth. You talk about print testing and the important. Can you talk to us about yeah. what that means? What do you mean by print testing? So uh, all of my files are guaranteed to print without supports. So uh, those of you who are new to three D printing, um, you can't print in air. You have to have some sort of structure to build up to. So if you have a, a, a rooftop that has a very sharp angle between the tower and the roof, you have to print them separately or put plastic supports under it. Mm. Um, so for me to make that guarantee, I have to make sure I can print it without supports. So uh, 
the wizard tower, for instance, I have like 10 of those in my house because I would print it and, and, and then realize that there was one part that didn't print so well. So I'd have to go back and, and re kind of rework it and then print it again. Um, but then now also I have a couple, I have about a hundred print testers too. I always print test everything on my end, but they print test too, because there's so many different kinds of printers and yeah. some, some are better than others. And uh, I want to make sure it's printable by the, the full gamut of printers. So how do you do that? So like I imagine now you've kind of got an eye for it where you know that, okay, I got to change this design because there's, there's no way I can do this without support, yeah. which my understanding is you then have to cut the supports off and uh-huh, you might have to sand things and hide yeah. it. It just is not as nice. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but how did you start doing that from the beginning? Like it was something that you thought, you know, this is a problem I want to solve uh, yeah. with, with my particular designs. So I had crappy printers. <laughs> and I would try to print stuff. And when you, when you don't, when things aren't leveled properly and you try to print supports, it just creates a pile of spaghetti because it would knock stuff down. Yeah. So I got tired of trying to print this stuff with support. So I started designing stuff without supports so I could print it. <laughs> uh, and then I learned it. There's a lot of things with angles and there's ways to build up structures that look natural or look intentional that build up the structure with, so it prints without those supports. I know, and I, I still make mistakes. You know, sometimes I'll have like a really cool rock texture that uh, kind of prints in the air and creates spaghetti. So sometimes it's, I might not even notice it until I print it, but uh, I'm a little better at now that I've been doing all these towers. A lot of trial and error, I guess, too, right? Yeah. So, oh yeah. And that's I think that's cool for people that are that are backing this when they know when they get their files. These are not yeah. just theoretical files; these are files nope. that have been actually tested, so they know yep. that this is actually going to work. There's yeah. another thing you talked about, which is file splitting. Can you explain what file splitting is? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like the, um, I'll use the Wizard Tower for for example. It has this beautiful uh, trunk, you know, cylindrical shape, and then it has a a, a really cool pyramid shaped rooftop. Uh, I have to separate them so they print without supports, but also some printers have a smaller print print area. So I split them so they fit on most printers. And when I say most printers, I mean more um, filament printers, FDM printers, and some larger resin printers, but there's teeny tiny resin printers like the uh, Anycubic Photon. It has a two and a half inch uh, space to work with. And I, I don't cut stuff that small. Yeah. So, and, and you talked about some things that are split, I guess, vertically as well. And what's the difference between splitting something vertically versus oh, horizontally? So most, most yeah. things are split horizontally. Oh, okay. Horizontally. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I am considering splitting things vertically for, uh, larger, uh, like printers, printers and things, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But I'm still doing research on that and print testing to make sure that's a solid thing I can do to all the files for the next campaign. One thing I thought was really cool when I was reading through the campaign is the level of support that you that you offer your backers. Like it's not just like here's your files, guys. Oh, uh, no. See you next campaign. Like no. you actually have a support group for people that do 3D printing, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm in touch with these people pretty much all day. Uh, my backers and we have a print support group. So anybody who backs the campaign, 
excuse me, who is new to 3D printing can join the Facebook group. And, you know, we had a number of people, like I said before, who never owned a printer before. Yeah. Through the, through my volunteers in the support group, they are able to print anything now, which is really super cool. But with, now I have 3,200 backers from the previous campaign with all the late backers that joined us. So I try to make sure that I'm available for questions, if there's issues with files, like I need to be aware of it um, because I want my I want my product to be solid enough that people are getting their money's worth, essentially. And you also, so I saw there's some pledge levels as well where uh, merchants can actually get yeah. a, like a license. So how does that work? Because I, I would imagine with something like a 3D printable file, kind of like when you go on Thingiverse, right? Um, there's kind of an honor system, but once it's out yeah. there, what stops somebody from just taking it, printing it and, and, and selling it? So how do, you, how do you deal with that? That is a good question. Uh, so we have a couple hundred, uh, merchants now. Yeah. And you better know if there is someone out there printing something and selling it that they're not supposed to, I will hear about it. (laughs) And then I have to go through the right channels like Etsy, I'll report it and all that. I usually will reach out to the person first, but I do keep an eye on things, but those merchants, they are on it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess, cause they're trying to sell too, and they are selling a licensed version, right? So they don't want someone down the street just doing a knockoff and, uh, and then there's some kind of like ID tag or something like that I was reading yeah. about where. Yeah. So no other uh, 3D modelers offered this before. So it was really hard to know who was a merchant and who wasn't. Yeah. So I did a lot of, a lot of thinking on how I can identify my merchant. So I came up with this um, ID tag that has the logo and they have a specific number and I have a whole sp- spreadsheet of who owns which number and all that. Uh, so when I, when I am, when someone is flagged as a questionable merchant, I could go through and see, oh, they don't have a merchant ID there. So then I, I know that they might not be a merchant. So it makes it easier and less awkward because you don't want to be reaching out to someone who paid you lots of money and going, Hey, you shouldn't sell those. Yeah. I was like, well, wait a second. Come on, man. I, I backed you on your campaign yeah, twice. Exactly. What's going on? You should know me. <laughs> sure. Your yeah. Buddy. What's going on? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And so they, so they'll take your, um, the file and then they can then print off as many as they want yep. and then they sell them. They mark them up, I guess. And, yeah. and, and they sell them. And, and I just want to kind of put this in context. These aren't people selling like a couple, like they're no. selling lots, right? Yeah. So, you know, they have to put a lot of effort into it. It's not something you can just put on Etsy and want it to sell. Like some of these people are actually spending a lot of time and effort on Instagram, Facebook, and other places yeah. uh, sharing their prints. Um, but yeah, some of them will paint them. Some of them will add like moss and they'll make it their own, which is super cool. cool. Uh, but I have several backers that... They had one printer or maybe two printers and this legitimately became their full-time job. And now they have a print farm and now they're, they're actually printing and selling other makers models uh, that they're licensed to sell. So it's That's super cool. cool that, that for some of them, this was the foothold that they needed yeah. to sell other creators products and become a merchant for them too, which I, that's so cool for me. How long does it take to print one of these? So take your typical one of the Mars towers. Is it like a full it, day? Like, because so, I'm just trying to think if you're a merchant trying to yeah, print so and then. That, yeah, that, that's a big question. So it depends on your settings. Um, I print at 
0.15 layer heights uh, with a 0.6 nozzle. So it takes me usually 24 hours to print a full tower and its tray, uh, sometimes longer. Uh, let's see, sometimes it's two days. Um, I wow. have Cthulhu from my new campaign printing right now, and that's a, a 40 hour print. <laughs> so at full scale there, they do take days, but you know, when you have several printers, you can print one per day, uh, you know, 30 a month uh, is a good side gig, I think, but yeah. some of them have a lot more printers so they can do this full time. And how often do people have like their say, 19 hours in and then the oh, computer cuts out or the file misprints uh, or the so printing <laughs> is not for the faint of heart <laughs> 3d printing i have never sworn so much in my life yeah and i got into 3d printing and I, oh man sometimes it's so frustrating <laughs> the good and thing can, about go ahead i was gonna say it can be dangerous as well right like uh there's a local college here where a whole wing of the college burnt down because uh three yeah oh yeah don't don't buy cheap printers <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um i know that's happened on a few occasions in general it's uh i think a thermal runaway where the machine itself yeah. doesn't know it's heating up beyond its its caps uh but i i know that happens less <laughs> It's a new technology, and unfortunately, with new technologies, uh, when you have lots of different companies wanting to be in the market, it's it's easy to have faulty machinery. Yeah, and I guess as the technology keeps improving, safety is obviously something that's built in. And yeah, uh, I got a buddy who's got a three D printer, and I mean, he's like, you know, he's got like an actual area where he's got it set up where there's like actually a metal pan below it and so forth. So he's got additional safety oh. measures on top. Oh yeah just in case yeah. something happens, right? Just to make sure it's okay. Oh, yeah. So the, the current campaign you have right now, uh, last I checked, again, Canadian dollars, you're at roughly $110,000 uh, on a goal of 7,500, uh, 1,384 backers. I'm sure more have jumped in since we started talking. Yeah. Still 19 days to go. Uh, <laughs> this is incredible. Like this is probably going to exceed your last campaign, I think is. A I safe, hope so. <laughs> it's a safe bet, I think. I have some fun things coming down the line of stretch goals I really want to unlock. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And so then what, what what comes from here? Like, do you have a, like, are you already thinking about the third campaign or the next campaign yeah. to come and, and kind of what's the, what's the plan there? And when's that going to come? Oh man. Some of the stuff I can't disclose quite yet, but okay. uh, there's some big, exciting things coming. Um, uh, as far as faith and specifically, um, I'm considering actually doing a tabletop game, uh, potentially next year with 3d printables as part of it. Uh, but you know, I have a lot to think out and plan out. It, it might just be that people are still loving, uh, printing the, the pieces that they can then take into other games. Yeah. So we'll have to see. I get a lot of feedback every day. <laughs> And sometimes well, that sways my, my trajectory. <laughs> well, certainly I think you've kind of, you've honed in on something here that's pretty special, I think. And, uh, yeah, you know, I know you got a huge fan base now <laughs> and I know you're probably thinking, well, do I do a third one or not? But I'm sure your fans are going to insist that you do another, uh, yeah. another campaign. And, uh, hopefully when, uh, when you get this game coming, we can get back on the binge and uh, you can talk oh, about I love it because it sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I want to wish you all the best with this campaign. Uh, I, it's obviously doing very, very well, and it's going to continue to grow. And uh, I want to wish you and your family all the best this coming year. Thank you so much, James, and I appreciate your time. No worries. You take care. Cheers. Yeah, you too. Bye.
This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. We'll